0: Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to today's 5-Minute Animal Behavior Podcast. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Hydrochorus, Hydrocharis, aka the capybara, and uh, hopefully you haven't eaten anything in the past couple of hours, because specifically we're going to be looking at uh, coprophagia among capybaras. If you're unfamiliar with what coprophagia is, um, then to put it bluntly, it's essentially when an organism eats feces. Uh, The feces can be its own, it can be another individuals within the same species, or it could be from an individual of a different species. Um, The capybara is commonly thought to engage in what's called autocoprophagia because, well, it consumes excretions that come from its own anus generally, hence the, the prefix auto. So basically what this behavior looks like in the capybara is it um, It stands on its hind legs, it stretches out one of its limbs, um, bends over, and then it sort of drives its head down towards its anus and consumes this uh, kind of pasty substance um, excreted from the cecum in the anus that looks different from its normal uh, kind of oval-shaped feces. So because this pasty substance seemed so much different from the normal kind of feces that's produced by the capybara, um, Al Kester-Mendez and three other animal behavior research in a, in a 2000 study um, wanted to make an amendment to the idea that capybaras are coprophagic and instead uh, wished to call it uh, psychotrophy, since psychotrophy is characterized more by the consumption of a specific kind of protein-rich substance that is excreted from the cecum. I think that's how it's pronounced, of uh, one's own anus, which is what the, the capybara does, um... Uh, they do that rather than uh, consuming uh, their own feces or the feces of another individual, which is what occurs in coprophagia. And uh, furthermore, they also found in that study that animal behavior researchers who study capybaras could save a substantial amount on food maintenance expenses since um, it was found that capybaras naturally engage in cetrophy, psychotrophy sorry, after roughly 11 hours of food deprivation, so they don't have to spend as much on, um, on food resources, and save them a little bit of money, so that's pretty interesting. Um, in terms of Tinbergen's four levels of analysis, then, it would, um, it would make sense at the adaptive level that capybaras would um, produce this protein-rich substance from their anuses in times of food deprivation because, um, as the research talked about in their paper, there were, are often long periods of drought in many capybara habitats in South America. And uh, psychotrophic capybaras were probably more able to endure these periods of, nu- of uh, nutritional deficiency and were probably more able to survive. So in this way, psychotrophy probably has a lot of adaptive value for capybaras. Um, and at the level of physiological causation, and uh, this is something that the researchers also talk a little bit about in their, in their study, um, there is probably some kind of internal biological clock that signals to the capybara's digestive system to kind of to secrete the protein-rich substance from the anus after a certain period of food deprivation time. Uh, as I said before, this period of time uh, for, for triggering this biological clock um, is, seems to be roughly 11 hours. So in this way, the psychotrophy behavior is clearly instinctual since there is kind of this innate biological trigger, and it's also seen in, um, in capybaras as young as like a month or two old, I think. So it doesn't seem like it's, it's learned. Um, interestingly, psychotrophy is actually not seen in species that are closely related to the capybara, um, such as the guinea pig, for instance. Uh, but apparently, psychotrophy is pretty well documented among rabbits, and they appear to do it for much the same reason that capybaras do, for food deprivation. Um, although, obviously, they do it at different times, it seems like. Uh, rabbits tend to do it in the winter, obviously, when there's obviously less food around. Um, whereas guinea pigs do it in times of drought because of the climate in South America. So they do it for the same reason, but it's caused by different um, environmental pressures in the climate. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that's pretty much it. That's all I have here. Um, hopefully you don't think about this while eating your next meal. But I thought it was a, a pretty unique behavior that I figured was worth sharing. I thought it was pretty interesting. So uh, until next time, this was the 5-Minute Animal Behavior Podcast. Thanks for coming, everyone.